The room is dark. The curtains drawn closed. Candlelight flickers on the table, gleaming dimly on the bread and cup that stand alone. There is a chill in the air. Can you feel it? The scene is set in an in-between place. This in-between place is where we find our gospel message this morning. As an Easter people, we rewind. We look back. We recall a moment before the resurrection, before the crucifixion. The disciples find themselves seated at a table in a small upper room. Sound familiar? Jesus is the host, but Jesus, their leader and teacher, kneels before them, each one of them, and washes their feet. After that, Jesus feeds Judas. Knowing that betrayal awaits, Jesus gives the bread of life to the one person that will cause his death. Judas turns from the light of life and vanishes into the darkness. Here, here we find this in-between place. We are stuck in a dichotomy when this hour has come. We are stuck between betrayal and love, between dark and light, between crucifixion and resurrection. This is the beginning of the glorification process. With Judas's departure, the betrayal is set in motion. Death is now certain. There's no turning back, and there's no stopping it. In this space, in the space between betrayal and love, we continue in John 13. At verse 31, listen now. When he, Judas, had gone out, Jesus said to the disciples, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. The great race car driver, Bill Vukovic, won the Indianapolis 500 in back-to-back years, 1953 and 54, a record of success very, other, very few others have achieved. When he, when he was asked what the secret to his success was, he simply replied, there is no secret. You just press the accelerator to the floor and turn left. When people are in the midst of greatness, whether in sport, business, or life, they search for the secret, the secret that makes them great. And most of the time, we 
complicate it. But the secret always involves the basics. Push the accelerator and turn left. Jesus gives us the basics. Here in John, the scene is set. Glorification, inevitable death is set in motion, both soon to be fully revealed. What is left for the 11 disciples? In the midst of confusion and wonder, only one last commandment is left, one new commandment. Back to the basics, to love one another. We have heard this our whole life. This is a regular in churches. The church has served this like a dish of hot fried chicken and pasta salad. Standard fare for all ages. Jesus said, love one another. This is the new commandment I give you. But what is love? And what's so new about it? Well, whatever love is, it is commandable. That means Jesus commands love. Love is a decision. We can decide to follow or not to follow a command. We decide to love or not. We can further define love by saying what love is not. We've heard this before. Love is not liking. You can like something without loving something. You can love something without liking it. You like because of. You love despite of. William Faulkner said, you don't love because you love despite. Not for virtues, but despite the faults. Love despite faults then is a decision. We decide to love or not to love. But what's new about it? What's new about this love? Well, we need to hear this commandment as it was said and heard in that in-between time. Between life and death, between crucifixion and glorification, Jesus says this when he knows death awaits. And that's part of the newness. A sacred final moment with his closest friends. And many of us can relate to this sacred moment when separation and closeness both are felt in a single moment. It is in these sacred and scrim moments before death where clarity is sometimes found. It is not an easy moment. But when death is imminent, life can become clear. I witnessed this a couple of times last summer when I served as chaplain at VCU Health Center. One day I visited a family that just lost their baby boy. As I approached the room, I heard sounds of joy and laughter. I actually stopped to check and see if I had the right room number. I was like, yeah, this is right. The family found clarity. Knowing that death was imminent, the family's perspective on life changed. The important moments were simple moments. Simple moments of being together, being together and sharing love. 
This is how Jesus is approaching the disciples. Right before the end, Jesus frames what is important to love one another. Jesus is clear and to the point. Reorienting the disciples' life to a life of love. Another moment last summer came as I sat with a wife at her husband's bedside. While we waited for family to arrive, we sat and talked, and she recalled moments of love they shared. She told me about all the things he had accomplished in life and all the memories they made together. She said, and I quote, he was a stubborn man. When he decided something, there was no convincing him otherwise. And she continued to say that when they were told by the doctors that he would soon lose his eyesight, he responded to the doctor, well, if I can't see, I don't want to live. And when she told me this, she giggled and said he lost his eyesight two weeks ago. And here we are, stubborn man. But as the family gathered, they said their goodbyes, and they continued to to share stories and recall the things they hoped to do in his honor. Carry on his legacy, they said. In this scrim and sacred gospel moment, what legacy is Jesus leaving the disciples? With this final commandment, what legacy is is he telling them to carry on? Love is the legacy. Jesus leaves the disciples with a legacy of love, and it follows the exact moment when love is betrayed. Love one another is the new commandment. We can also see what's new as we look at other commandments that we might know. Right before this, in verse 13, Jesus told the disciples, You call me teacher and Lord, and right you are, for that is what I am. So if your teacher and Lord have washed your feet, you also should wash each other's feet. You should do as I have done to you. And a little further in chapter 15, this new love commandment is said in another way. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. There is no love greater than this to lay down one's life for friends. You are my friends if you do as I have commanded. So these two commandments help flesh out the meaning of love one another. On the one hand, loving one another encompasses the mundane. It means serving one another even in the most menial tasks. On the other hand, this love encompasses heroic acts, heroic acts of great risk extending to the point of sacrifice. The love Jesus speaks and the love Jesus demonstrates is love in action. It's an active love. It is a love that extends the mundane to the heroic and encompasses every self-giving act in between. This is the love, the new love Jesus commands. Another love commandment we can look at was when he was asked what the greatest commandment. Jesus gives a two-in-one answer. We know the answer. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. 
This new commandment has replaced your neighbor with one another. Some people see this as this commandment as turning the church inward, only caring about those who belong, one another. But in the setting of that upper room, Jesus knows that persecution is coming. Grief is coming. Jesus knows that the disciples will need to depend on each other. Jesus is telling them to love each other in the face of persecution. Love each other as you grieve. Love each other as you continue to run the race of faith when I am gone. Because love will sustain you. This new commandment also replaces love others as yourself with love as I have loved you. Jesus is saying love like me. Love like Jesus. And how did Jesus love? By befriending and eating with outcasts and sinners, the unclean, the impure, the unloved and unlovable. By stretching the boundaries of his own love and stretching out his hands to all. By coming down to wash the feet and the souls of his beloved. By sacrificial life and death. With a love that compassionately and righteously seeks the well-being of another. Love that is unconditional. Love that is eternal. Love that includes every single person. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you have this kind of love for another. Never before has God dwelt among us in flesh. Never before has the Son of God come into the world and laid down his life for his friends. That had never happened. This is new. Love is not a prerequisite of discipleship. Love is the mark of discipleship. Jesus is saying everyone will come to know what love is by your actions. And they will come to know me. Love is no longer a sideline emotion. No, it is the star of the game. The lead role, and it is to include everyone. Love is expanded beyond the boundaries of insider and outsider. We heard this in our Acts passage. Peter welcomes Gentiles into the fold of the Spirit. They have heard the word. They are joined in the community of faith. Once known as unclean outsiders, they are now enfolded in the love of the Spirit, becoming one with disciples and one with Christ. This is the new love reality. There's no longer any boundary that separates, no more barriers that divide insider and outsider. And against the hurting world we witness, love seems as new today as it sounded to the disciples in the upper room that night. There's news each and every day of the hurt our world is facing. The oppression that continues, the hate that divides, the selfish ambitions of power and status. 
Decisions made that demean and devalue others, silencing those who speak out. War and violence ravage communities all too often. Love seems absent. But we heard it from our choir, wherever love is, God is. Wherever love is, Christ is. Love is the identifier. Extend that Christ's love hand to someone in need. Sit with a grieving spouse and not run from the pain. Take that risk. Do love. And as long as love is in the world, the world is encountering Jesus Christ. Today, the University of California in Merced is holding commencement ceremonies. And one girl named Ana Asingueda will become the first person in her family to graduate from a four-year university. And it's not only her family and friends celebrating with her, this, her this, today, but her story has reached far beyond California. It all started with a tweet. To pay tribute to her parents, who she says is responsible for her success and ability to graduate, she posted a photo. You see, Anna and her four siblings are children of migrant farm workers from Mexico. Her parents have been picking seasoned fruits in Orange Grove, California, for more than 25 years. And as part of an assignment for her global art studies class, the picture is of Anna in her cap and gown and stole, standing between her parents in their typical work attire. The photo's caption in Spanish reads, Por ustedes y para ustedes, which translates to because of you and for you. We love because of Christ. We love for Christ. Love is the mundane and love is the heroic. Love is humble service. Love is sacrifice. Love is who we are and what we do. We are identified as disciples by the love of Christ. And the And the world will know we are disciples by the love we share and show each other. We are identified by love. May it be so. Let us pray. We know love because you first loved us. We are called your beloved and that is who we are. Guide us in your love, O God, so that the world may forever be identified by love. It is in Christ's name, love made flesh. Amen.